Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another special edition broadcast. Today, I am featuring Lisa Salvatore, and we're going to be talking about the keys of the houses in the birth chart with a specific focus on the 12th house. And I just have to say, Lisa sent us like five or six different topics that we could cover today. And I looked at all of them and I was like, oh my gosh, this is impossible to choose. So we put a poll in the inner circle and we asked our inner circle members which one they wanted to, to hear about. And there's so many comments where it's like, this is astrology Christmas. Like you can't expect us to choose between these. Like this is, this is like astrology heaven right here. So this was the second choice but it was a very tight uh, runner up. Um, the first choice was about the moon, which we just recently did. So we're gonna go here with the houses. So unlocking the keys of the houses and the birth chart with a particular focus on the 12th house. Lisa, it is so great to have you here. We, we had Lisa on the show in 2019. If you wanna go check out her story, we talked about tarot and astrology, and that was episode 30. So you can go back and, and check that one out. But Lisa, it's been so great to have you. How, how is 2020 treating you? <laughs> it's been crazy <laughs> in a lot of good ways and in a lot of um, unforeseen personal ways as well. But I think that, you know, we've all got what we need to, to do to get through and come up to higher consciousness in 2021. Absolutely. And yeah. in terms of as an astrologer, I'm sure you were looking at 2020 back in 2019 going, oh my mm -hmm. God, like, what's mm -hmm. it? is it? Is it about what you expected or is it more intense or less intense or just different? It's more intense. It's also different. I, it was interesting. I joked with a lot of my clients that it was job security because they would, I record all of my readings. So I would record their reading back in August, September, October, and then they would listen back like April and May and they'd say, oh my gosh, you told me I was going to have this crazy respiratory illness and I did, and I got COVID and then someone else was going to lose their job or their child, something with the child. So it was like a lot of big things were happening, but just didn't quite know exactly how it was going to manifest. And it's manifested different for everybody, even with the circumstances of what's going on with the world. Yeah. So I think for me has been just, oh my gosh, this is so global. Like usually mm -hmm. that when there's a crisis happening, it's like in certain pockets or areas. And even if we all feel it, like this one's just been like, oh my God, <laughs> like this is completely we are completely all going through something. Mm. Yeah, I know it's manifesting different for people, but there's yes. a huge thing happening for every single person on the planet right now. It's amazing. Amanda, I want to give a plug to a book that you mentioned on several of your podcasts, Paradise Built in Hell. Yes. It. it is amazing. Everybody needs to read that book because the level of altruism that came out of me from reading that book. And I've always felt that I was that kind of a person anyway, but I was even noticing it during quarantine with neighbors because we live in a complex where we really don't see each other. And then all of a sudden COVID happened and all we saw was each other, <laughs> like going to get the mail or going. And next thing you know, everybody's having like a social distance gathering in our parking lot. And it was just so nice to feel like, oh, your child needs wipes. I have extra wipes. Or It was just really nice. It was just an that book just spoke so much to all of that, even with the disasters that we experience, there is some good to come of it always. And we have to try to always look at that. Always. Exactly. And that actually was a very eye-opening book for me as well. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me was, was the stories that are told about humans in crisis and how we turn against each other and, they, and we loot and we riot and we, we steal from each other. And, mm -hmm. and so you got to protect yourself and make sure you're, you're, you're really protected because, because when people are in crisis, they'll do anything to survive. And then to read that book and be like, wait, actually, that's not what the data says. That's not right. what has actually happened through history. And we're a lot more caring and compassionate towards each mm -hmm. other than someone wants us to think. Right. You know, there's like, mm -hmm. who is yes. this someone, you know, could have yeah. yeah. like something, some force wants us to think that we're a lot darker than we actually are. And I feel that's, what's going to come out of this in the most beautiful, brightest light is that we are going to see amidst all of the chaos that has ensued and probably will continue to ensue that we all, if we stay in that space, we can really, we really can change everything. We just have to be willing and open and more present. And I, I, I have to say, 
I've been kind of happy with the quiet. Like, I mean, no, I've been really happy with the quiet. (laughs) I have. I just feel like it's a whole new, geez, I I never realized how introverted I was until this became, (laughs) until this became, you know, until this happened. So it's it's been great in a lot of ways. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's us being willing and able, and then also recognizing our power, like really owning it, like really recognizing like who we are and and what we're capable of doing, especially when we come together. But the the quiet also has, has enabled a lot of people I know in our community and our audience to pay attention to the things that they really care about, which happen in in our community, of course, happens to be one of the things is astrology. And so, so many people have had this time and space, or at least the, the recognition to really prioritize their values. And they're coming back to astrology or they're, they're making more space for astrology. And, and that to me is a really beautiful thing too, because that I always watch that and it's like, well, that's people coming back to themselves. That's people coming back to the truth of who they are and prioritizing themselves and their purpose here on this planet. This is a good thing. Yeah. It's beautiful. Okay. So let's talk about Uh, the houses. Yeah. Speaking of purpose, right? Yes. There's so much, I always have so much I can say and I have to write my little bullet points down because I can go off on tangents. So let me see. Um, Is there, did you want to start or you just want me to go in? We're, we're, we're starting. All right, cool. Okay. (laughs) Okay, So, so Buddha, Buddha said we are either our own savior or our own enemy. And I have, always loved that quote because I am a 12th houser, several planets in the 12th, including my son. And Lisa, you know that, right? Yes, I do. I do know that. Yep. And I knew from a very young age, the beautiful side to the 12th house, which took me many years to finally embody, but the sad side of the 12th house and every house has its beautiful parts and it's sad. I would say sad, lower expression parts of that house. And it takes a lot of self-reflection, 12th house, that's all it is, and growth to truly be able to say, okay, I'm not perfect. None of us are, right? We're all souls here and we're all doing the best we can. And we're living through these experiences and everybody's are different. We all come in with a different psychic suitcase, I like to say, right? When we come in and we choose our chart and we're like, I'm coming in and I'm going to work through these issues and these are going to be my siblings and this is going to be my mom and why would I choose these issues? Like, this is what you start to think as you're going through things. You're like, but why would I choose this? It's so challenging. Why am I, I'm always depressed. I'm always crying. I'm always eating, whatever, what plug and play anything for each house and sign. But you start to realize as you work through it, that you don't have to be pigeonholed to that area. You can work with the higher end of expression of that energy. And all of the houses have beautiful energy. They also have their shadow side. So I hope that with this podcast, we can kind of just see a little bit more about the houses and how to work with them and integrate the energy on a more uh, higher manner. It's so great, Lisa. We get this question so much too. Like people oh, really cool. want to okay. like understand the houses and how they work. Yeah. All right. So well, we'll start with, okay. So one of my favorite teachers, I know everybody says that and it always, I always cringe when I hear that because everybody's a teacher, right? In their, in their own right. But I love Stephen Arroyo's books. Um, I have been reading them for a very long time. And his astrology and the missing elements is one of my favorites because it, it really dives into the houses and the elements of the houses and all the energy that's concentrated. And then the spiritual, the uh, Christ numbers of the houses that tells you more about uh, the groupings of them and how, where your energy falls within those houses can really be, uh, how do I say, this is my 12th house. I I think and feel so much and it's often hard to uh, get it out the proper way. It's like very, um, spiritual. It's just very spiritual. It's something you don't, you can't necessarily put into words. It's something you just feel. Not all houses have the depth, the same depth as others, right? Our water houses, 4, 8, 12, are, that's the trinity of Christ, basically. That's the psychic uh, realms. That's the underwater. That's the uh, psychological, really psychological houses. They're extremely, um, one of your, uh, Other astrologers that's been on here, Divine Harmony, who I love, she's fantastic. I remember I took her shadow work course and she said, and I love how she explained it. The the fourth house is like the basement, right? That's the, that's your childhood. That's the, that's your foundation from birth with the mother and everything that goes on in that fourth house. That's your roots. And then you go to the eighth house and that's the Scorpio house. That's Pluto. That's like deep, deep transformation. That's where you, you know, that's like 
really deep. That's just, that's a lot of the times the things you don't want to admit about yourself. So you ignore them because they can be very sometimes um, intrusive and ugly, to be honest. So you push them down, push them down, push them down, but they're there because that's like the foundation of the house. Then you get to the 12th house, which is the attic. That's where everything goes to hide. And then once a year or once a transit, however you want to say it, it all comes tumbling out and you're like, I feel like I'm having a breakdown. And those are the water houses. However, and I just started with the water houses when my intention was to start with the fire houses. So I apologize, but just how it went. Um, with the 12th house, when you get to that point, that's like the crisis of consciousness. You have to realize, okay, this is coming up for a reason. I have to do something about it. Unless you want to end up in a mental institution, not to say anything negative about that, but the 12th house is also the house of mental institutions. When I was younger, I often felt like, what the heck is wrong with me? Why do I feel this way? Um, you know, being very connected and the 12th house holds many gifts, spiritual gifts, all houses do, but the 12th house is the psychic house. It's ruled by Pisces. It's ruled by Neptune. So from a young age, I dreamt, I, I would, you know, see spirits, I would hear them. And I'm like, okay, I don't feel so weird about this, but everybody else felt weird about it. So then you think you're weird and you push it away. And then now I'm like, yeah, I'm weird. I don't care. I own it. Like, this is my gift and I'm going to share it with the world. But has, having your son in the 12th house, are you a son in the 12th as well? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. We hide our light because we're afraid of it because we've been, if you go to the whole woo-woo side of this, we've been condemned in past lives to believe that our spirituality and our abilities are not allowed to be expressed. We have to hide them. It's a subconscious message that we've received. And so we do it until some kind of crisis of consciousness comes up and we're like, no, I gotta, I, I, I have to do this. This is my calling. That's the 12th house, right? Okay. Do you have anything you want to say? You're shaking your head. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, my God, there's so much. I, I, I think I'm going to sort of collect some thoughts and, and share them. Um, it's interesting to have multi-layered experiences of this whole thing around our light and being persecuted or prosecuted from it. Of course, I'm sure like, I'm sure you've had as well. I've had uh, past life regressions where I actually re-experience being prosecuted for being a spiritual, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. a witch or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And, um, and so of course we carry that, that lineage, we carry that DNA and it keeps us small and scared. But even in this year, there's been like an unfolding of um, even more insight into what it actually means to shine our light, like really, and why it's scary. Cause it's vulnerable. It's mm -hmm. vulnerable to be out there in that much truth, in that much uh, light, you know, and, and, and that's where we're the most, we're the most tender. Like we're, we're the most capable of being hurt. Yeah. So we, you know, put all these shrouds and cover it all up. And I do have a question from an audience member that I just sure. wanted to ask you because I think it's a good thing to just get yeah, like, the groundwork. John is wondering, um, can you speak of which house system you use and why? I use Placidus because that is the house system that I was trained under. And I find when I try to switch around, it mess. there's so many layers. And like when my 12th house moves into my first, I'm like, no, no, I can't deal with this. So I, I've always studied on myself to get to where I'm at right now. So I choose Placidus for myself and for my clients. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, for any of you starting out, all of, all of the astrologers we work with say, just choose a house system when you're learning and go with it. And then eventually someday you, you might want to start playing around with different house right. systems. And right. depending on the question, you might want to use a different house system, but okay. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. So and that's just to water. Dovetail, sorry. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. oh, I was just going to dovetail, just say one other thing about that. What I find interesting, which is how it's, it's just so beautiful how it's constantly evolving because, you know, when I did switch over, I realized a lot of my planets were in the first house. And I'm like, if you had said that to me 15 years ago, I would have said, absolutely not. But where I'm at today, I could see in a way how I could embody some of that as it moves along in a different house system. So like you said, it really depends. Just play around with it and see, you know, pick one, start there. And then as you go along, you'll see if, mm -hmm. if and when you want to switch around. Yeah. You know, the other thing, um, I, I just want to add another thing about the 12th yeah. house. Are we going to talk more about the 12th house later? Or do you yeah, like... well, that's what we, it's up to, it seems like we should now because that's, okay. that's where we're All going. Right. So. Well, well, well I, uh, it's funny because um, uh, one of our team members, Laura, also mm -hmm. has, I think, 
she's she has uh, five planets in Capricorn and a, a bunch of them in the twelfth house. I don't know if all of them are. Laura, you can confirm. Um, but we were talking the other day on our team call about how it's you know the unconscious becoming conscious, and there's like you know the subconscious becoming conscious, and all those things. And what I've experienced, the more that unconscious becomes conscious, is an embracing of the sacred nature of everything and every moment and how when i when i consciously make that choice to bring like as much ceremony into my life for example like my daughter's first day of her homeschool community she was super super nervous like really nervous like very anxious and so i decided to make the morning a ceremonial morning, but she was go getting ready for her initiation. So we had the oils and we had the candles and we had the music and we had all the things that you would do to create a ritual space. And that's, that's the way that I know how to travel through adversity and challenge. And it's like, just make it sacred, like just make it, make it an initiation yeah. and, and, and don the robes and, and adorn with the anoint with the oils and just, yeah. And, and that is what helps for me to really embody that 12th house versus it being this thing that's sort of out there and hard to like make tangible. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's funny too, because when I have clients that even before we'll talk, I'll, I'll cast the chart and I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be a little bit, uh, a lot of puzzle pieces moving here for me to the way I express myself is very 12th house. So, and he was not. So I said, okay, I'm going to have to be very, I'm going to have to try to be very technical. And I'm not, I'm always off in more, you know, in this, on the more spiritual side. And I was doing it and we were talking and I mentioned to him, to your point about lighting some candles. Maybe I said, I know, you know, maybe taking a bath. He's like, take a bath. And he started basically, you know, not mocking me, but it was kind of like, lady, I'm not taking a salt bath. I'm not lighting candles. So I said to him, it was on zoom. So I just looked at him and I said, what else are you doing? Seriously. So you just told me you eat, you know, five bags of potato chips a night. You're drinking a bottle. You're drinking vodka all the time. What else do you have to do that you haven't tried? He's like, he looked at me, he goes, okay, I'm good. I'll try it. I'll try it. <laughs> and he's become one of like my favorite clients now. Honestly, it was just like, he said, you needed to push me and get me out of my own way to mm. see something differently. And that's the beauty of, of astrology and energy is we, we are all hardwired so differently. We all mm. have something to share with each other. So mm. I love it. Do you want me to finish with the 12th house and then I'll, I'll go backwards. How about that? I'll go yeah. down, back to one. Okay. Perfect. So um, my tagline for the 12th is I dream because again, ruled by Neptune, it's very nebulous, right? Um, it can be extremely beautiful, but it's always foggy. So once those clouds part, you're either left with a beautiful story or an unhappy ending, right? So it's really up to you as the player to decipher which way things are going to go. And you have to remember to, to try and stay clear because the 12th house is not clear. It's not, how do I say it's subtle, but it's not subtle. If that makes sense. It's like the spiritual gut punch. I want to say it's just something you're always going to feel. You're always going to know you need closure, but you don't understand why or how. And then the universe will usually step in and throw something at you that will happen. And then you're like, you don't even know how it happened, but it happened. And it moved you to the next player on the board, you know, the next place on the board. That makes sense. Totally. And when you're saying it's, it's, uh, the, I, I keep thinking of the word resonance. Like it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's like a resonance you can feel, but it's yeah. very hard to articulate and make tangible. Yes. So to unlock the key of the 12th house to make you feel like you're really working and harnessing that energy is by cultivating spiritual, a spiritual practice, if not more than one, because it's a highly spiritual house. And the more you connect to self, the more you work with the energy of the 12th house. Even if you're just having 12th house transits and you're not a 12th houser, this applies to you as well. You want That's when you wanna start meditating. That's when you really wanna start your, more of your spiritual practices, writing down your dreams, uh, paying attention to those initial feelings. Like when, um, I think it was Jane, Laura that wrote to me about the podcast and she gave me dates as options. And my instinct was to go to September 9th. And then I wrote her back and then she wrote me back and I said, oh crap that's Mars retrograde, the day Mars goes retrograde. And I said, oh, well, that's what I chose. So I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go with it. So it's like trusting that gut instinct. That's the 12th house and allowing it to take you where you need to go for your experience. When you say, uh, if you're a 12th house person, quote unquote, yeah. are you, what, how does a person know if they're a blank house person? Like how okay, are you so, qualifying that? Okay. So if any of your planets fall in the 12th house, but specifically 
I would say two or more. I know the stellium is really three or more, but I would say two or more. And also depending on which planets they are. This is a good question. I'm glad you just asked me that. I meant to say that. If it's the inner planets, if it's the sun, the moon, Venus, Mars, to me, and Saturn, to me personally, that is the most significant in the 12th house. Because there's always a story. Well, in all of them, there's always a story. But with the 12th house, because it's so unconscious, it's like you're getting these impressions from the moment you come into this world. And you don't know why or how, but you just know they're there. So it's, it's very important if it's your sun, your moon, Saturn, uh, Venus, Mars, you look into how to integrate that energy and what sign is it in? That's a huge player of it as well. And what aspects is it making to the other planets in your chart? You want to look into all of that to really, anybody with 12th house planets is probably really feeling this on a deep level because it's such a deep house. <laughs> it's like just extremely enduring and it's something that you will always be evolving and working through. Mm. Okay, so let's unlock the keys of the 11th house. Okay, so the 11th house is I aspire. I say that because it's the house ruled by Aquarius. It's the humanitarian. Um, Aquarians like to be useful. If you think about that, right? They love to be useful. And in the 11th house, this is the group house. This is the house of group consciousness, um, getting the group together, working for a cause. It's also the house of animals. There's a few, but that's one of them, of animals. Um, and so... When you're an 11th house focused person, let's just say the sun and the 11th, you've come here with this karmic calling to really be a part of the group. Uh, be, it's also the house of friendship. So you have this energy funneled into the 11th house. And so in order for you to feel good or feel like you're actually giving to the world, you have to be giving to the world. So there, you have to have a cause beyond just, I'm a mom, I'm a, not that that's not a cause, but you know what I mean. Beyond that, you have to have something else. You have to have, you know, I'm going to go to the animal shelter and run the drive for the food. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the senior citizen center and I'm going to play backgammon with them. Whatever it is, you have to have a cause or else you don't feed that humanitarian side of the 11th house. And the 11th house is an air house. So again, it's very it's logical too. So it has to make sense or you're not going to, it's not like the 12th house. The 12th house doesn't have to make sense. You just do it. Cause you're like, I don't know, that guy over there came down from the sky and told me to do it. The 11th house is like, Oh no, I have, this makes sense. I have to do it. And so there's the purpose of the 11th house. That's how you work mm. with that energy. Mm. Um, I also find this is going to sound funny, but small dogs tend to be a very significant part of the 11th house people that I've worked with. I don't know why, but that just always seems to be a thing. Small dogs with the 11th house. They like yeah. small dogs. They have small they, dogs. They, they, they find them. They foster them. They, they want them. I don't know. There's just, they, yeah, there's always some kind of a significance of small, small animals with the 11th house. That's, so That's interesting to me. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so do you questions about the 11th? Or? No, that's clear. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So going down to the, going back to the 10th is I achieve the 10th house is top of the chart. It's the medium coli. It's the most, basically one of the most visible parts of the chart. And this is about your purpose in the world. So this is your um, career and your public image. So any planets that you have in the 10th house, they're at the top. So this is like where you're really seen. So for example, um, I'll just use myself because the best way to explain it. I have a 10th house moon. So for me, my emotions are visible. Yes, they're always very visible. And they're in the 10th house of career and public image. And that is my, I, I show my emotions with my work because I feel like that's what brings me closer to my clients and closer to my purpose. So it's also your goals. So you are very driven with the 10th house. So if you're a Mars in the 10th house, for example, Mars is our drive. You're going to be, and then again, depending on the sign, very driven to get something, to make something of yourself, really make something of yourself because that's what the 10th house is. It's the Capricorn house. You know, you're, you're, aren't you're Capricorn, right? Yes. Yes. So it's like, there's an importance on making something and bringing something good to the world and being known for it as well. Not in a way of you're better than anybody. It isn't about that. It's more about just, I want people to remember me. I want to have this legacy that I did this, that I brought this to the world and that people feel accomplished by my word or my work. That's the 10th house. Questions? <laughs> I figure I'll just stop as I, cause I could just yes. keep going and going. Yeah. So the ninth house is I explore. That's the uh, Sagittarius house, the fire house. It's very extroverted. Um, you know, the ninth house rules over tra foreign travel, which, you know, that's not really happening right now, but that's the house of foreign travel, um, philosophy, religion, furthering our education. Um, it's, 
the wanderer it's ruled by jupiter this is expansive so this is where we want to grow something we want to make more we want to go back to school we want to become a guru we, whatever it is it's the ninth house tells you again it's a very spiritual house as well as the 12th and it's all about um what can i how can i educate myself to educate others that's the sagittarian ninth house flavor um, I personally find all ninth house folks, they love school, no matter what. They just love school. They'll just, they'll, they'll, they won't even have gone to college and they'll be 55, 60 years old and they're ready to go to school because they just, they want to learn now. They know and they want to learn what they've been brought into that they want to learn. So it's pretty cool, actually. One, one, note, one note on the international travel thing, um, something yes. that my Brett brought up because he did in the inner circle, he did his mastery class on um astro locality you know um, oh yeah and, and he was like well i'm kind of sensitive about doing that because nobody can travel right now so yeah <laughs> it was kind of a, a weird thing but one of the things he talked about was bringing places to us so if if you know through our research mm. music through the food mm -hmm. the, the attire i mean i remember being in new york and my former husband um was calling hawaii in so we'd be in new york in the middle of the winter and he'd be in board shorts and playing is <laughs> You know, and, 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 you know, watching surf movies, calling Hawaii in to wow. our life. So yeah. we can be doing that right now, even though we can't, it's not as easy to jump on planes and travel right. all over the place. Right. Um, but we can still bring those places to us. So I just want to say that to the 9,000 people who are maybe That's feeling cool. that itch, yeah. that there's other ways to, to be in those places. Intention is everything, right? We can, you know, to... To that point real quick, I wanted to mention how fascinating I find it that when the nodes switched into Gemini and Sagittarius, Gemini is third house, short distance travel, the north node, that's where we're going. Sagittarius is long distance travel. Bye-bye right now, it's not happening. It will happen again, of course, but it's it just always so fascinating to me how astrology just consistently proves itself accurate. <laughs> it's like, I, I mean... <laughs> It's just amazing to me when you really sit there, you're like, oh, that makes so much sense, you know? Accurate and literal. That's, that's the thing. I, I keep, I keep uh, we, on our team call again, we, we kept having these moments of like, it's, it's literal. The translation yes. is not like metaphoric and you have to like kind of piece it together. It's right. like what you just said, that's a literal change. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're experiencing and, it. Yeah. And the timing of it too is just, it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, that's pretty much when it'll probably get released and that's, that's going to be how it's going to be. Right. <laughs> so, all right, let's go to the eighth house. I feel like I need to take a deep breath for the eighth house <laughs> because I do not have personally any planets in my eighth house, but that doesn't mean I don't feel the energy of the eighth. And I tend to interact with a lot of eighth house people, souls. And um, it's interesting. It's an interesting house because the eighth house craves intimacy on every level. They want everything of everybody, but they're not going to give you anything of them because they don't trust you. So it's a very psychological, think about, I mean, I love Scorpios. I have, I'm a Taurus and I draw in a lot of Scorpios and many of my closest girlfriends are Scorpio sons. And I always joke because that's their energy. It's like, you have to prove yourself again and again and again and again for them to trust you. And even then they might not trust you. They can't help it. It's just, but they're the most, some of the most beautiful people. They're very deep. And, you know, you can talk to eighth housers about anything. They may not always give back, but they will feel it and they will, the taboo, uh, um, psychology, the afterlife, life and death, taxes, real estate, all that deep, deep stuff that people don't like to really air their dirty laundry about, that's the eighth house. Now, the tagline for that is I transform because ruled by Pluto, it kind of requires us to die and be reborn metaphorically again and again and again and again. And then we're like the Phoenix rising and we come back stronger. And when we look back on it, we're like, wow, that felt like hell, but I feel a lot better right now. I remember um, an astrologer many years ago, I think she passed away, but she, her telling me that Pluto transits are like having surgery without anesthesia because mm -hmm. the pain of a Pluto transit, the, the pain of the eighth house is sometimes so intense and you can't explain it. It's similar to the 12th. You can't explain it, but you feel every single bit of it. And it's slow. It doesn't move quickly. So it's like, oh, is this ever going to end? And then it does. And you're like, I mean, Pluto, death, it's just, that, that is also the house of death, physical, but not necessarily. Of course, there's other things. I don't want anybody to think that the eighth house is death all the time on the literal level. But um, it's, you know, bonding, 
So it's a, it's a deep, deep, deep house. Um, it's, it's intense. Now, working with that energy, um, I guess this is kind of hard because I'm trying to figure out how I want to, with the planets, how we would, um, I guess the most significant planets we'll focus on. But in the eighth house, if you're a son in the eighth house, um, no matter what sign your son is in, you're going to have a Scorpio flavor to your personality. You're going to have that Plutonian edge. You're probably going to have very prominent eyes. Um, my husband's always amazed and laughs at when we have dinner, go out to dinner with people I don't know. And I'll look at them and I'll know their chart. And then later it'll be confirmed. And he's like, how do you know that? Because I could tell, I could tell by their energy, their mannerisms, their eyes. It's very distinct, you know? Um, but again, very deep, deep house. So it, it wants you to dive. So don't be afraid to dive. That's, that's what it is with the eighth house. Be, if you need to go to therapy, go to therapy. Um, no one's going to judge you. You, you, nobody judges you harsher than you judge yourself when you're an eighth house person. And that's just the way it is. So Lisa, my um, North node and mm. Pluto are in the eighth house. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, so it's funny because growing up, I have Scorpios around me all the time. And mm. growing up, I was like, why is everybody born in November? Like, I, cause I didn't know astrology yet, you know, I didn't right, know I right. really attracting them in. Yes. So yeah. I could learn about that Scorpio energy of like really meshing and yep. go, you know, so it's, uh, that is a really interesting journey as well. And it's true. It's like this desire to like mesh self with other and yet like, Ooh, like that's very scary to mm. do that. Well, especially with my North node, like I'm literally learning how to do that. So it's yeah. another layer of that, right? It's not my son or you know, something that's like more natural right. or inherent. Right. So yeah. But actually to your point that that is significant though, because that's your karmic calling the North node. It's like, we want you over here and we're going to keep giving you these situations until you finally do it because you're supposed to, you know, your soul wants you to, you contracted to do it. So here we go, do it. And it's not easy to do it, right? Because you're hanging on to the, uh, your Scorpio North node, you said? No, Libra. Oh, you're a Libra. Nothing. Okay. So it's not easy for you because you're hanging on to the Aquarian ways of pleasing everybody else. Right. I'm sorry. You said Libra? Libra North. North. Aries. Aries. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm getting all over the place now. No, the very independent focused. I can handle it all myself to the like Libra. I need to like enmesh and, and, and be with others and all that. Yeah. And Libra wants partners too. That's the thing. So it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword there. Interesting. That's a tough one that you have. <laughs> With Pluto right there. Oh, yeah. No, it's yeah. great because what you said, when you said earlier, um, it's like uh, having surgery without anesthesia. It's also mm. like giving birth without drugs. And, mm. I, and, I, and I've done that both of the, you know, birth with uh, epidural and then second mm. birth, just natural and the level of transformation. I mean, the level of transformation in both situations was amazing. And the level of transformation when I allowed myself to feel the pain of childbirth was empowering. Hmm. It was like, it was yeah. just as transformative in both cases, but the second, the first one was disempowering. I walked away feeling less powerful. And the second one hmm. was empowering where I was like, wow, I didn't realize I was, I could do that. I didn't realize I was that strong. Right. You know? And it's interesting that it went in that order too, right? That you I had know. the first time. Yeah. So the first one, I call um, Madeline my master teacher. She, she literally came in to wake me up because that was my wake up moment. Like I was like wow. hook, line and sinker, like bought into the whole everything that, mm. you know, the whole matrix, like reality completely bought in. And that birth it, after it was like, oh my God, I trusted that whole pro institution and process and everything. And it really didn't work out the way that they said it would at all. Right. And right. so what else is not true? You know, it was kind of like the, the mm. little like thing that I pulled and it unraveled a bunch of other things. So hmm. that's beautiful, actually. But that's very eighth house. Also, by the way, what you just said, even though it's not the same, quite the same, but it's, it's about letting go and allowing things to take form without trying to control them. Because mm. there's a control element to eighth house too. It's like, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna have the chess pieces out and I'm keeping track of every single move. That's the very eighth house, you know, and it's, and big purpose of the eighth house is really to let go and just let it be and just, and go into it and move with it. So would you say that it's strategic in that way? Like it's, it's sort of strategizing? Yes, because I would, I will say that, and again, I love my Scorpios, so this is not as an insult in any capacity, but yeah, it's a strategic sign. When they want something, they know how to manipulate to get what they want for better or worse. And that's just the truth. 
So it's, yeah, I would say, yeah, it's it could be calculated. calculated. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, totally. Hey, sometimes it works out for the best, you know, so it's not necessarily a negative thing. Move on to this. Speaking of um, Libra, moving on to the seventh, I partner. Uh, the house, the seventh house is obviously it's um, marriage. It's partnership in general. It's um, legal contracts. It's also open enemies. So, it, you know, the 12th house is hidden enemies. I, me I meant to mention that about the 12th. Um, in the 12th house, we have people behind the scenes that are trying to do us harm. And it comes from past lives. Again, being persecuted for whatever the case may be. Same thing in this lifetime, you will always have hidden enemies in the 12th house. And they will come out and strike at you when you least expect it. Whereas with the seventh house, it's open. So that's like, for example, um, since it's the marriage house, if you go through a divorce, you could have a not so nice divorce and this is an open enemy now. Now you're fighting for the house or the kids, whatever. It's an open enemy as opposed to the hidden enemy. I would prefer the open enemy, I gotta say, of the seventh house than the well, hidden and, enemy of the 12th. I mean, Lisa, my experience of that 12th house hidden enemy is it's always ourselves. Yes. <laughs> There's yes. a perception that it's someone else yeah. or something else or some force, but I don't know. It's, this is my own experience. That mm -hmm. At the end of the day, it's always us. So we can, and it's true about the open enemies too. I mean, really, yeah. that's just sort of the way reality works here. But. I find in my experience with 12th house, sun especially, um, the people that encourage you to shine your light, when you actually shine your light, they're the ones that end up being, <sighs> and it's obviously it's subconscious. It's not that they're doing it on purpose, but it almost seems like they're the ones that are the hidden enemies. And you start uh, to see it as you shine your light. Ooh, I find that. I, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's yeah very, I definitely have that experience as well. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, um, okay. So with the seventh house, obviously relationships are going to be a huge focal factor and all relationships, not just marriage, but you know, business partnerships, any kind of uh, contract that you're entering into. So the, you always want to go in with eyes wide open with the seventh house, because again, you don't want to end up with an open enemy sometimes it's unavoidable, but if you keep your eyes open and you're, and you know, again, the, the seventh house is also an air house. So a lot of times we do what's practical with air, what makes the most sense, what we think is right, what we think looks good on paper, but it's really not always about what we feel. So with the seventh house, I encourage just always make sure you're, you're going within, you're sitting with it, you're making sure that what you're doing is for the right reasons and not just because it's what you feel you should do. You don't want to sign any contract, literally or non-literally, if it's not something that's resonating with you and your soul. And I think a lot of times we don't really stop and sit with that as much as we should. So that would be my advice for really utilizing the energy of the seventh to its highest advantage. Mm. <laughs> also, the seventh house is the mirror. So it's like, you know, the first house is the ascendant. I am, right? Seventh house is the other. So it's the complete opposite of us. So we tend to draw in a lot of seventh house energy that we need to really work through as a mirror image of something within ourselves, within ourselves. So there's always triggers there. So keep that in mind too. Go ahead. You were going to say I, uh, Mars and Saturn there. Okay. Yeah. Saturn in the seventh is, that's really. 29 really, degrees in the yeah, seventh. Yeah. That's, that's rough. That's, <laughs> that's rough. No, that, yeah. Like that just made my my uh, chest kind of go, whew. Like I well, I mean, that's why the, the divorce that I did go through, um, it was kind of like, yeah, that whole ha happily ever after thing was probably not my path. You know, it was like, it yeah. was, it's pretty like, that probably wasn't going to be the way that I was going to grow the most in this lifetime to just right. marry the guy that I met when I was 19 and, you know, do the whole right. thing. So, But at least you recognize that by coming into more of self, you recognize what was lacking, not only in, not in the other necessarily, but in the other also being you, yourself, right? Yes. So yeah, pretty interesting. And luckily I don't have an open enemy from that situation. Right, right, right. Well, that, which is great. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> See, that's, that's fantastic. And it, it's unfortunately isn't always the case, right? So, but it, yeah. I'm glad that it was for you. So moving down to this, moving down to the sixth house, the Virgo house, um, that's health, fitness, organization. Uh, I wrote, what did I write for that? I serve because that's your daily life. That's the service you put out into the world on, on the regular. So that's your job, basically. Um, you know, are you a nurse? Are you a doctor? Are you a beautician? Whatever. That's your daily life. That's what you're doing. It also is the house of our um, habits. So it's like, I, 
I joke and I'm allowed to say this because I have a lot of Virgo placements in my chart. A little bit of uh, OCD in that house. It's like what we are very fanatical about. Like we have to have things a certain way and it can make us crazy if it's not the way we want it to be. And it makes us even more crazy depending on what planet it is. Because again, if you're like a moon in the sixth, emotionally, you're going to be like, I cannot stand any kind of disorder because it will make me insane. And then it, it makes literally affects your body because the emotions affect the body. And it's this whole uh, ongoing process of just making you feel fanatical. So it's like you're trying to get ahead, but you never quite can. So becoming very aware of your habits, good habits, bad habits, both habits, where you get obsessive, because we all do, and how to let go of that a little bit. And also it's about the body, the temple, taking care of the body, you know, making sure that, you know, you don't, there's a balance there. Don't always be fanatical. Don't always be too free. You want to try to find that happy medium there. So that's an earth house though. Yeah. Yes. Six south is uh, Virgo. Earth house. At the end, I wanted you to do the, the elements because you did water yes, yes. 14, 12, but we can do that at the end. I didn't want to interrupt the flow of going backwards. So it's funny. Um, for me personally, I have a Gemini ascendant. So I tend to always do things backwards and I tend to do them twice. So it's like, I even realize as I'm doing this, I'm like, as a child, I was dyslexic. I'm not anymore. But when I, when I work with people, I do get dyslexic again and I tend to go backwards. But I, as long as it makes sense. and It, it totally makes sense. It works <laughs> either way. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back. Let's go down to the fifth house now. Um, okay. So the fifth house is the house of Leo. It's fire. It's our creative energy. It's our, uh, it's the sacral chakra in Reiki. So it's like the um, life force that we have. It's our sexual energy. It's everything. It's our expression, our creativity. It's the house that rules over children. I want to mention something about this, and I'm sure many astrologers you've had on here have probably mentioned this. A lot of people think if they don't have planets in the fifth house, it means that they can't have children or they won't have children. That is not true. I know many, many people that have multiple children with a badly aspected fifth house where they've had no issues whatsoever, no problems. I also know people that have a completely full packed fifth house and they've got no children, no creative projects. So, I mean, no, I said that wrong because everybody has a creative project, but they, their expression is thwarted. So you just don't always really know. You have to take the whole chart into consideration. But for the fifth house, I wrote, I serve and I play because Leo's playful. Fifth house is like fun. What do you do for fun? But also, what do I do to serve my people? And your people can come in the form of your neighbors, your, you know, your children, your parents, but it's, you serve and you play in the fifth house. And it's a, it's a fun house if you allow yourself to be creative, be expressive, and do what makes you feel alive and not just what you feel you have to do. Because remember, you're not your job, right? You're not your plug and play whatever word. There's always an essence there. There's always something that you love to do, whether it's hula hoop or, you know, I mean, silly things even. Those silly things can bring you to your purpose. They really can. I mean, me playing with tarot cards at, at 14 years old and reading astrology books, who would have thought I'd be where I am today? You know, it's just, you just, your passions become your purpose. It's just the way it is. You say that, Lisa. I was just thinking of this this morning and some people might not think of this as play, but I did. Um, in college, I would take notes and I would, I had a, like this color coordinated highlighting system and I would like, <laughs> I love taking notes, but, but people keep asking me because I am always taking notes during these podcasts. They're, they're like, do you shorthand? How do you take notes so fast and then summarize everything? And, and I'm like, this morning it dawned on me. I was like, wow, as I was playing quote unquote in college, mm. I was prepping for like this, which is so random. Like you would never put it together in soul, your soul. Yeah. Move. Exactly. Yep. It wasn't like, yep. oh, I'm going to do this because someday I'm going to be on a podcast and I'm going to have to take really quick notes and, you know, have it all organized. It's like, no. But so those little things that we do just naturally that are just like for the joy of it, they do lead us mm -hmm. to, you know, that we're, we're like gathering all the ex these experiences so that we can do the thing that we're here to do, which is all those things along the way too. But, you know, so it's, and yeah. And, 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 and so many times we stop having the joy. And yes. what we do, because we think we're supposed to be more serious and our yeah. purpose should be all serious. <laughs> it's like, maybe yeah. not. You know, again, I feel like I'm sharing my whole chart on this podcast, but just <laughs> from my own experience, having Saturn in the fifth house in Virgo. Uh, uh, holy cow. I mean, my, from the age of five, I would sit there and watch people having fun and I'd want to join in, but I'd be like, 
well, they look like they're drinking too much. How they shouldn't be drinking that much. Meantime, I'm like five years old. I'm like, but yet I'm a fun person. I'm not boring. What's my problem? Yes. And even now, I still find sometimes I like categorize my fun. And I'm really trying now to learn to drop it. Like, I'm like, no, 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 this is ridiculous. And I can't do this. I, so I need to take this week off or this day and just drive out to the beach. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It'll still be here tomorrow. It's really hard, though, to do that. Because sometimes with planets like Saturn in the fifth house, it can be a wet blanket. It really mm. can. Mm. But, um, but the, yeah, but the fifth house is romance. It's fun. It's play. Um, you know, I recently had a client I was working with, with, with a synastry chart, and it was a lot of fifth house activity. And she just kept saying to me, I don't think it's forever, but it just feels so fun. And I said, yes, because there's all these fifth house overlays. It's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to light each other up. Leo is the sun. Sun rules Leo. It's the Leo house. It's supposed to be fun. Anyway, sorry, I get so excited. Much, so, no, there's so much permission granted in that. It's, it's again, like these stories, these overlays that keep us from expressing that essence, that playful, joyful, yeah. you know, like all of that, I, this year and what's coming, it's like, we got to mm. let all that stuff go and just, yeah. be, you know, be that thing that you came here to be without the feeling like you should be something else. It's just time to shed that. And, yeah. and, I, and it feels like it's more possible now than ever to do that. Yes, absolutely. I do feel like totally on a sidebar. I do feel like 2021 is going to be a lot, not necessarily the very beginning, but I think it's going to be a lot of people stepping into their shoes in the most positive manner. Like just really feeling like you can breathe again. Just like that reset will do well for a lot of people, you know, good news. I feel like it's going to be a very good change, breath of fresh air, you know? I think a lot of people are very happy to hear that right now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, listen, I've heard of a lot of people getting, like, going, filing for divorce now and they're waiting till after Divorce is at its highest. I, I, I heard, and I, maybe don't quote me because I can't remember <laughs> the source, but it did seem credible. But anyways, but this, somewhere I read or heard or whatever that divorce rates are at their highest this year. Mm-hmm. And some people might look at that and see, see that as a tragedy, but on the other side, it's like everybody getting clear, like, no, this isn't yes. working. Right. And I need something different. It's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, lots of sidebars off that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and not just, and not just uh, divorce from the marriage partner, it's divorce from, from friends, you know, divorce from yeah. um, certain family members, unfortunately, if it had to happen. Uh, lots of uh, parting of ways because you realize what's truly important when you have to go without it right? When you have to yeah. go without things, you realize when you only have yourself to rely on or to sit with and to think about, um, you, you start to realize you, you were doing a lot of things or, or running away with a lot of things that you didn't necessarily need, but you were using them as a form of escape, let's just say, right? Yes. And now that's not there anymore. So you realize, oh, I didn't really need that. How can I work with this better? Like, how can I, you know, I seem to be just fine without it. What does that mean? And it makes you reflect, really totally. reflect. Yeah. The other thing that I've experienced, and this sounds like a 12th house thing, is in the past, um, certain people or things that I would do, it was a little more foggy. Like I couldn't, mm. I, it'd be like, well, she seems nice, but, but like, I don't really, you know, I couldn't really get a read. But this year, all of a sudden, it's like, again, it's like that veil is lifted mm-hmm. and the energy behind things is really clear. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. know if other people are having that experience too, or if that, because all this is transiting my 12th house also. Oh but, yeah. Forget it. Yeah. So it's, so it's basically like, oh, I can see the energy behind that. And, and I do, or I don't resonate with that. And it's not a judgment. It's just like, I do or don't right. resonate. And then exactly. it's, I want to partake in that energy or I don't, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's not a, it's not a judgment. That's such a good point. It's not a judgment. It's just a, a realization. A and- realization. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, well, I don't have to do this in a, and I always say to people when you manifest um, disconnections from people in your lives, because a lot of people do that. They say, I would like to let go of this relationship. I want to get it out of my life. I always tell people to use the word lovingly because you don't want to put the intention out there and then God forbid something bad happens to them or something really bad happens to break the relationship. You'll feel horrible and you don't want that. So you always want to try to do it in the highest manner possible where there's no malice. It's just like, okay, this isn't working. They might've done me wrong. I, I found out about it. I'm clear now, but now I'm, now I'm clear. I'm walking away and I'm leaving it there. I'm not gonna. That's another program that we've, we've bought into. I think a lot of us is that endings have to be, um, we have to make the other person wrong in mm. order to leave. 
we have to make the other yes. person an enemy in order to leave. And unless they're there, they're that in our mind, we won't leave or we shouldn't have to leave. But sometimes it's just an evolutionary process. Yeah. It's just the transformation of the, of the connection and it doesn't have to end in bitterness. And my own divorce actually was one of the most illuminating experiences of that, where it was like, you know, I don't have to make him my enemy. I don't have right. to have a traumatic experience here. This doesn't have to be violent, even though all the language around divorce is violent. It's like imprinted in us that yeah. it should be and that it has to be and that it is. And so there's this conscious choice of like, nope, not doing that. Just not going to. And that's going to be one of your books. Oh, you know, actually a book in me is um, to interview, of course, because I love my Gemini, I mean, just loves interviewing yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> um, a bunch of people who model that, mm -hmm. including my own experience. But I've met so many people here in Maui, especially who have, who have divorce stories that are like beautiful, you know, and you, and you, yeah. you hear about it and it's like, oh, there's another way that this could happen. And everyone doesn't have to be traumatized for their whole life over this thing. There's another choice here. So just like I, I love, I love showing sharing stories in order for us to get new pictures and new possibilities seated, so that we can do things a different way. Because of the yeah. way things are evolving now so quickly, you may or may not be with your partner for the rest of your life, and right. you want to leave a string of like enemies. Right. We don't have to. Yeah, yeah it's true. Okay. All right. Fourth house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Okay. All right. So the fourth house is at the bottom. It um, is, can be hidden in a lot of ways. It's also a water house, very emotional. It's cancer. It's the house of cancer. So this is our, where we nurture and where, where we allow ourselves to be nurtured and where we nurture others and how do we do it? And you know, that's the crab. So we hang on in the fourth house, whatever's in the fourth house, we're not letting go of it. We're very committed to it for better or worse, right? And so learning to work with that energy, with the fourth house, especially like if you're a son in the fourth house, it's, you know, your family life's gonna be very important to you, your foundation. And, you know, even when you come from, it's also our lineage in the fourth house. And fun fact that I learned um, two, two or so years ago, I think it was, with the fourth house, when you look to the cusp of the fourth house, the sign on the cusp, it typically represents your paternal grandmother. It's very, very interesting it, by characteristic. I find that to be pretty foolproof. And, and, and just for people that are wondering about the cusp, is it the one that comes next or the one that, that So it would be before? like, it's like right on the outside of the fourth house, like to the middle, to the outside. So whatever okay. sign is on the edge of the fourth house, that's, that typically, in my experience, shows the paternal grandmother's traits. Now, right, but between the fourth and the fifth or between the fourth no, and the sorry. third? Between the fourth and the third. Okay. Or towards the fourth. It's, it's right. got to be like more towards the fourth. The cusp thing is always like so so hard because it's you can see it both ways so it's well and it depends on the house system and all that too right and then on the house system too yeah. yeah so but i find um with the fourth house with the i see with the paternal grandmother it, it tends to be highly accurate and if it's not her birth sign it's usually her personality oh interesting, interesting. yeah and i always tell people it's funny um i feel you know, as a 12th house, or I don't know, it's not just my 12th house, it's everything else, but as I feel energy on a deep level of other people. So I can um, understand the energy of, of signs. So it doesn't have to be their sun sign. I'll feel the Scorpio energy, but they, they could just be a lot of eighth house planets, but not the sun in the eighth house. They're not a Scorpio, but I'll feel the Scorpio energy. So it's, you got to keep that in mind. You could be feeling um, someone's describing you a cancer woman and you're like, no, my grandmother was a Sagittarius and she did. But remember, she might've been a cancer rising. You have to dig in and look at her chart, try to find out because there's always the energy is the energy. Mm -hmm. So, and that's the fourth house. It's very, um, intuitive. It's a water house. So it's extremely, it's what we feel. I feel, you know, it's one of the feelers. Um, okay. Whew, I'm like, <laughs> again, <so> huh? good. <laughs> <laughs> I actually laid out in the sun like really long yesterday and I'm really feeling <laughs> like oh, my face is on fire. So anyway, okay. Third house. Gemini house. Communication, reading, writing, speaking. Um, our siblings are in the third house. The people we see day to day, neighbors. Um, this house is it's Gemini. It's like very, it needs stimulation. Any planet that falls in that house needs to be stimulated somehow through any of the Gemini traits. And if it isn't, you don't really feel like you have a purpose. And to go further with that, if you are 
somebody who was squashed as a child for, say you were a writer and your siblings teased you for your writing. Oh my gosh, you're never, you're stupid. You're never going to be, even though you're a true writer at heart, you're going to be afraid to express yourself. But that third house energy is always there. So you need to integrate, do what, don't drop the old expectations of yourself and what others have had of you and really tune into what you want to do in the form of communication, because in the third house, you've always got something to share all the time. It's, it's, even if it's with your neighbors, you know, you just, you have to talk, you have to give information, you have to learn, give back, communicate. It's just, it's actually one of my favorite houses, the third house. I love the third house. It just feels very um, smart. It's just, you know, you, you can really get a lot of information from third house people. They're just, they, they're like a walking book. Aren't you, you're a uh, Gemini moon, right? Gemini moon, but okay. it's in the fourth house. But still, you ha- you're, look at you. Look at, I mean, all that you do and, and how much joy and information you bring to people. You know, that's, thir- that's very third house. You yeah. bring a lot to the world. So you're serving your purpose, obviously. But um, I think is the key word for the third house. Or I communicate in whatever form communication takes for you. The second house, which is the Taurus house, the earth house, that is I have, I value. So this is like your possessions, your money, your work, your... Um, your daily routines. It's also your environment. So where you live uh, and with that house comes on the shadow side of that, uh, you could be materialistic. You know, if you have a lot of second house, it's like you become very focused on what do, what do I acquire? I need more. I need to have more. And it's the house of money too. So it's like, might not ever be enough for you depending on what's going on there with your planets. But also it could be that you're very generous and you give all your money away. So there's always, you know, you got to really look to the planets there and the aspects to see more of that story. But um, it really is about what you have and what you value. And to really work with that energy is by, um, let's say example, you're a second house sun and it's Taurus, let's just say, so it's a natural house. And then you do a lot of charity work you're giving back. So that's, you're serving a purpose here. You're acquiring, you have a lot, but you're also giving back. So that's how you can mm. create your purpose with the second house. Unlock Circulate the, key the energy. Exactly. Don't hoard yeah. Yes, okay. exactly. I like that. Circulate the energy and don't hoard it. That's a good way of, of expressing that. All right. First house, which should have been the first house and ends up being our final house here <laughs> is um, <laughs> it's the house of the ascendant. So it's, I am right. It's our physical, it's our projection. It's, what people see when we walk into the room um, in Kundalini yoga, it's Sat Nam, I am, right? It's your truth. It's at the highest, you know, I know I'm just laughing again, sorry, thinking about somebody I worked with a few weeks ago and she was a, a double Aries, okay? <laughs> she was Aries sun, Aries rising. And she was like on fire and I loved her. And she said one of her biggest challenges was people responded, especially women, they couldn't handle her energy. And I said, I get it because you are out there. There is nothing phony about you, but people could perceive that as phony because mm. not everyone's like that. And she was just like, this is me. I don't care. Hear me roar. I'm going to tell you, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like this. I don't like that. And most people aren't used to that. I happen to, I think it's great because it's, you're standing in your truth. That's the first house. So in the first house, any planet that falls in there, because it's the ascendant, you're going to take on the traits of that house. So it's going to be Aries-like in its quality. So you're going to express the energy of that planet in a very outward manner. And it might even confuse you because you're not that sign. Does that make sense how I'm saying that? Yes, definitely. So it's very, very interesting. Um, and again, using myself as an example, sorry, but it's the one chart I'm the most familiar with. You know, I have Venus in the first, so I'm the way I'm very open with my affection, but in a very, it's Gemini. So it's like through words. So I just, I'm very expressive when I care about somebody. And to the point that my nieces and nephews are like, get off of me. Cause I'm always like, I love you so much. You're so perfect. And they're pushing me away from them, but I'm annoying like that. My sister's always like, why, why are you hugging me? I'm like, I don't want to hug you. You know, it's just, it's, it's the way I express, you know? So any planet that falls in that house will give you, you'll take on that quality of, yeah. of Aries in that house. Mm. So what about planets like Chiron and, you know, I, I, you know, some of those, those, the, outer- I love Chiron. Yeah. I love Chiron. Oh, Chiron. Okay. So Chiron's important too, because it's, it's where we heal our own wounds through this soul work that we do. Um, so when, when planets like Chiron fall into these houses, it's really important to look at that because you're learning some deep soul wound lessons on where you were wounded before and where you have the potential to wound others. 
and also where you have potential to heal them. So uh, it's, it's really, yeah, Chiron, I love Chiron. We should have done a podcast on Chiron. <laughs> Actually, people love Chiron too. It's oh every gosh, yeah. It's like, well, Chiron. Yeah, and there's so much, there's so much juice there for all oh, of yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's amazing um, to see how, you know, I have a 12th house Chiron conjuncts my son and my Mercury. So I've learned that, especially when I was younger, my words could really hurt people because they were so oh. direct when it came to healing. And then I realized as I, as I matured that they also had the potential to heal people. It was all about the delivery. So I uh, took the Torian approach of that to be very calming in how I said something and to let people fill in the blanks for themselves so that I wasn't the one saying, you know, oh, you do this because of this. It was more like, hey, this is what it feels like. Why do you think that is? And then they usually will fill it in themselves, you know, because you feel it. My guess is your ability to do that came from a, a level of healing you did in yourself and, a, and oh, yeah. the amount of passion that you had for yourself. So then you yes. could transmit that in an entirely different way because you were no mm -hmm. longer like judging yourself about those things or, or, you know, or harsh with yourself about those things. It's funny. I was reading self-help books at the age of seven, like literally because yeah, I was always very fascinated with psychology and the minds of people. And I had a big family and older siblings and a younger sibling and I would the personalities of everybody always fascinated me and mm. I would sit there and watch them and I'm like oh my gosh what he's why does he do that and why does she do this and then I, my, I myself too why do I feel this way why am I doing this and it just brought me into this whole world with astrology and psychology and it's just fascinating you know so but through that I've been able to really like I can't tell you the number of 12th houses I work with lately it's it, I love it it's great mm. It's beautiful. That, that's so important that those places that we heal within ourselves, how, how much more pure of a, of a possibility we have to help people with those things. Yeah. It's, it, it's once we do it in ourselves that I have this thing around perfection recently and mm -hmm. being harmed early on. My Chiron's in the first house being Ooh. hurt early on from a young age about not feeling perfect about my body. Yeah. And so I just went through a really amazing transformative healing experience around it, something for another podcast someday. But what I realized is that in, in no longer holding that unrealistic and totally um, conditioned expectation of myself, mm. it's released from the other people in my life. Right. That just by me holding it for myself, they, they can feel that and, and maybe feel imperfect or flawed around me, which is right. like, ooh, the opposite of anything I would ever want to do, right? Yeah. So when we do that work and we, we, we find those places, that's why, again, 2020, there's so much gold because, yeah. because so much of this stuff is coming up and it's like all can be transformed and used in a new and powerful way Yeah. when we're looking it's, at it. It's amazing. Yes. And, and, and even when you look at the people that you've been draw, drawing into your life, everybody, you know, look at the people that are, that have come into your reality through the pandemic, through, you know, through ways that you wouldn't have foreseen, you know, two or three years ago, they're meant to be there for a reason. Right. Okay. And just like the ones that have kind of fallen away again, meant to have happened for some reason. And when you really stop and sit with it, you realize that you knew it all along inside that certain things had to go. Yes. to bring you to where you are right now. Yes. Yes. So. Hard when you're in it. And then retrospect oh, yeah. is usually pretty clear. <laughs> completely. completely. Yes. Lisa, thank you so, so <sighs> much for being here. It's been so much fun doing that deep dive in the houses is always great just to get, you know, get reoriented and always to hear other people's perspectives of how they work with the right. houses. So thank you for that. And thank you for all the stories and you're welcome allowing us to learn through the story. So, but that's, that's, we learn through stories. So it's yeah. good. It's really good. I have, I have three, I have three books that I put here just to share in case anybody was interested. Nice. Thank you. Um, this is one of my favorites bringing, sorry, bringing your shadow out of the dark by Robert Masters. Oh yeah. Awesome book. Cause people always say what's shadow work, what's soul work. I want to know more about it. This is the best book. Seriously. It has little exercises in here also. Um, I've done the exercises several times and go back and do it. And you realize how much you've evolved as you go back. So it's pretty cool. Mm. You have to be honest though. You have to be honest about your, your triggers. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorites for anybody that is either a 12th house or wants to do more with the 12th house, Neptune, the 12th house and Pisces. Is that Maurice uh, Fernandez? Yes. Yes. Nice. Yes. Okay. I love this book. 
He's been an inner circle guide before too. Oh, really? Yeah. I love that book. Yeah. And this one is a really good read too. The 12th house, the hidden power in the horoscope. Mm, nice. Because I always saw the 12th house as a really negative thing until I started to read about it and really feel it and learn the gifts that were there. So yeah. that's a really good book for that. Nice. Awesome. Thank you for that. And if Thank people you. want to learn more about your work, Lisa, how do they do that? Oh, my website is lisasalvatore.com. Plain, nice and simple, my name. And my Facebook page on here, for some reason, it doesn't link. It's Lisa Wellness. I don't know why. But um, it should come up there. And my Instagram is Lisa A. Salvatore. Nice. Okay, perfect. And for those of you who want to um, do an even deeper dive, obviously, than we can do on a podcast episode, um, we do have Rick Levine's Astrology Foundations class coming up. So that is going to be a deep dive on not only the houses, but also the signs, the planets, the aspects. He's going to start um, talking about how to put these things together in a chart. This Astrology Foundations course is like a precursor to the chart reading course that we're going to do with him after, like in the winter of 2021. But this one is good to just get all the facts. And if you never want to learn how to read a chart, it's okay. This is just going to give you all those building blocks of astrology from his perspective, which is a very unique and beautiful one. He's fantastic. I love him. He's, he's just <laughs> he's amazing. Great. He truly is. I know he doesn't like me when it doesn't like when I call him the Merlin, but he truly is a Merlin. Rick, is He's that awesome. okay? Yeah. A Merlin. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So check that out. That's um, astrologyhub.com slash foundations. And we're in like the quote unquote pre-sale period. So you won't get access to the course until October 4th. But if you want to dive in now and start taking advantage of some of the bonuses for that course, you can. And you'll just be reserving your seat. So astrologyhub.com slash foundations. Lisa, you're awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. As always, always so much fun. Pleasure. Yeah, so thank much you. fun. And okay. thanks to all of you for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of our community. And thank you as always for making astrology a part of your life. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care, everybody.